Hello, everyone. Thank you so much for tuning in. You are listening to This Week Again, and I'm your host, Suzanne Posel. We're going to start off this show with all the deets on the Silicon Valley bank collapse, move on to a montage of stupid things Republicans have done this week, as well as Russia marking new territory and Putin being a wanted man. And we're going to follow all of that up with the Pope's new policy change. So let's begin, shall we? Tech gurus and venture capitalists, along with lots and lots of small businesses, got a big surprise this week when their favorite financial institution and 16th largest bank in the nation, Silicon Valley Bank, otherwise known as under new management, collapsed. Now, to the outside observer and narrow-minded people, this might have seemed like it came out of nowhere. Silicon Valley Bank collapsed today after failing to raise enough money to end its capital crisis. California regulators shut down the bank and put it in control of the FDIC. Silicon Valley Bank becoming the second largest bank failure in U.S. history. SVB, the 16th largest bank in the U.S. with $175 billion in deposits, is now the biggest American bank to fail since the 2008 financial crisis. Its customers are primarily businesses and investors in the tech sector. The swift collapse of Silicon Valley Bank is the second largest financial failure in U.S. history, and it took only 48 hours to unfold. Sounds like the kind of surprise that reminds us of 1929, when Americans decided to make lines outside of their banks, and once they were inside, withdraw everything they could get their hands on. And could you blame them when Silicon Valley Bank was playing the interest game with the customer's money? So here's the long, short story. In 2018, Silicon Valley Bank decided the cash in their customers' accounts could be used to purchase treasury bonds at 1.8% interest with the gamble that the interest rate would not go up. But of course, interest rates have risen to 5%. And in fact, that means that Silicon Valley Bank lost their customers' money and became insolvent because of this. Now, the bank's customers got wind of their bank playing with their money, and they decided to run on the bank in droves to get whatever cash was left, get it out of the executive's hands because... On Friday morning, before the FDIC took over the bank, they, in fact, distributed bonuses. Uh, the bonuses were scheduled to be distributed uh, on Friday uh, far in advance. Those bonuses were part of the 2022 uh, year, but nonetheless, they still went out. Well, we don't call them greedy bankers for nothing. Sure, those bonuses may have been scheduled, but you'd think a bank losing their customer shirt playing the interest game would have superseded any scheduled financial compensation to the assholes who made the mistake in the first place. But you'd be wrong. Now, how much the executives took in bonuses isn't known, but previously managing directors of the bank have received $140,000 annually. So we do have an idea of the amount that they paid themselves. We also know that the CEO of the bank got $9.9 million in annual salary for 2022. 
also 1.5 million as a profitability bonus, which now seems laughable considering that three months later, the bank is under the control of the FDIC. Not only that, but the bank's executives sold their stocks in the bank just before the collapse. Gregory Baker, then CEO of Silicon Valley Bank, made $3.57 million selling his bank stocks. Michelle Draper, the bank's former chief marketing officer, netted over $804,000 for selling her stocks. And Daniel Beck, the bank's former chief financial officer, took home over $709,000. So the FDIC took control of the bank and assured their customers that the money would be there when they needed it. And for once, taxpayers would not be covering this bill. On Friday, the government regulator in charge, the FDIC, took control of Silicon Valley Bank's assets. And over the weekend, it took control of Signature Bank's assets. Today, thanks to the quick action of my administration over the past few days, Americans can have confidence that the banking system is safe. Your deposits will be there when you need them. All customers who had deposits in these banks can rest assured. I want to rest assured they'll be protected and they'll have access to their money as of today. The management of these banks will be fired. If the bank is taken over by FDIC, the people running the bank should not work there anymore. Investors in the banks will not be protected. They knowingly took a risk, and when the risk didn't pay off, investors lose their money. That's how capitalism works. No losses will be, and I'm, this is an important point, no losses will be borne by the taxpayers. Let me repeat that. No losses will be borne by the taxpayers. Instead, the money will come from the fees that banks pay into the deposit insurance fund. Oh, look at Biden showing off his Robin Hood, making the rich pay back the money they stole with the money they made in fees from the customers that they stole from. Sounds to me like a snake eating its tail, but... I'm all for it. Apparently, nothing compared to the wizards of lying all over the place over at Fox News, who decided that the reason for the bank's collapse didn't have that kind of je ne sais quoi that their tinfoiled hat-wearing audience was looking for. So they came up with some alternative facts. Part of the problem was is that this was one of those woke banks. They were one of the most woke banks, quest for uh, the ESG type, uh, type policy. This bank, they're so concerned with DEI and politics and all kinds of stuff. Silicon Valley Bank, they had been focused on a lot of these social issues in the, in the last weeks and months leading yeah, up to this collapse. They had a month-long LGBTQ month of activities <laughs> yeah. just before the bank collapsed. I think the senior <laughs> vice president of risk management at the yes. bank was heavily focused on LGBTQ. TQ plus programs. The female head of risk management spent a lot of time spearheading what critics would call woke programs such as a safe space for coming out stories. I gotta hand it to that cable network. They do not have a problem with calling their audience stupid. And although I don't think they're wrong, it's still cringy to listen to Fox hosts and Republicans blame a company's policies of inclusion and personal respect for their employees, for their investors and executives' decision to gamble using their customers' money and lose so big that they broke their own bank. 
So where did Fox get that woke inclusion and diversity at Silicon Valley Bank was the cause of the collapse? Interesting. It looks like an opinion piece by Andy Kessler published in the New York Post is to blame. The day after the collapse hit the news, Andy was the first Reich winger to publish and declare that because of the bank's board having one member of the LGBTQ community, a couple of women, one of them being black, was the real culprit. And they would have gotten away with it if it wasn't for the bank collapsing. Roll clip. In a recent Wall Street Journal op-ed, opinion columnist Annie Kessler makes it perhaps even clearer. And again, kudos to him for that. He knows that Silicon Valley's bank's board consists of, quote, 45% women, one black, one LGBTQ+, and two veterans. I'm not saying 12 white men would have avoided this mess, but the company may have been distracted by diversity demands. Well, there you have it. The white savior narrative of an all-Caucasian male board that would have run the bank just fine, except for the woke. But one member of this distractor's chorus sticks out to me, and that is Republican Embarrassment from Kentucky and Chairman of the House Oversight Committee, James Comer, who is actually a part of the problem because he helped pave the way for this banking collapse to happen. Let me take you back to the long ago time of 2018, when Comer was one of all Republicans in the House and the Senate who made sure the Obama-era Dodd-Frank bill regulating banks would be gutted like a blonde cheerleader in an 80s slasher flick. Fast forward to just days after the bank became insolvent and the man who signed the Dodd-Frank Act into oblivion is now posting on his Twitter knockoff website like Chicken Little in all caps. The banks are collapsing. The banks are collapsing. <laughs> Irony is wasted on the former Cheeto-in-Chief because it was Tangerine Palpatine himself who paved the way for this Silicon Valley Bank and Signature Bank to fall down like the deck of cards we always knew that they were. In 2010, right after the 08 crash, the Obama administration signed what was known as the Dodd-Frank Act. In 2018, President Trump signed a bill that undid a lot of what Dodd-Frank had been set up to protect banks from collapsing just like this. In 2018, then-President Trump um, signed a bill into law which raised the threshold at which banks would need to undergo stress tests. That number, $250 billion, SVB had just under that amount. You have regulations that are horrendous. Dodd-Frank is an example. So we're going to do a very major haircut on Dodd-Frank. We expect to be cutting a lot out of Dodd-Frank because, frankly, I have so many people, friends of mine, that have nice businesses that can't borrow money because of the rules and regulations in Dodd-Frank. We're going to eliminate wasteful regulations, which you can take a look at Dodd-Frank. Uh, for the bankers in the room, they'll be very happy. And just like the train derailment in Ohio that left residents of East Palestine covered in vinyl chloric acid because of regulations rolled back by the tangerine ball bag, what this fat bastard did to Dodd-Frank paved the way for Silicon Valley Bank to play with their customers' cash. Let me give you an example. Even though Silicon Valley Bank is the 16th largest bank in the United States, they were able to use matrix level evasion to keep from having to be regulated by the FDIC. 
Scrooge McTrump lowered the amount of capital a bank has to keep, which recategorized Silicon Valley Bank from a major banking institution to a quaint community bank you might see in any Hallmark rom-com. And since small banks don't have to submit to financial audits or keep 100% liquidity to cover their cash flow or submit to annual stress tests conducted by the FDIC or explain their investments to the government like big banks do, Silicon Valley Bank was able to use their customers' cash without permission and pay themselves off before the feds took over. But hey, if you want to blame it all on wokeness, go right ahead. But before you do, here's Russia's favorite liar on Fox Primetime, Schmucker Lyerson, who is pushing this woke, broke-the-bank narrative to remind you that he lies on television. I mean, I lie. If I'm really cornered or something, I lie. I really try not to. I try never to lie on TV. I, try, I just don't, you know, I don't like lying. I certainly do it, you know, out of weakness or whatever. Are you surprised? Because I'm not surprised. And while we're on the subject of pathetic attempts to deflect blame, Dolt45 has decided someone besides him is responsible for the swarm of his very own maggots who stormed, trashed, and left poo-poo Picassos all over the Capitol building on January 6th. And you'll never guess who's to blame. Want to take a moment? Nah. I'll just tell you why none other than his former sidekick and first Stepford Veep, Mike Pence. When a Washington Post reporter asked Donald Trump, had he sent the votes back to the legislatures, they wouldn't have had a problem with January 6th. So in many ways, you can blame him for January 6th. Had he sent them back to Pennsylvania, Georgia, Arizona, the states, I believe, number one, you would have had a different outcome, but I also believe you wouldn't have had January 6th, as we call it. Ugh, that I know you are, but what am I defense of inciting an angry gathering of future shit-smearing maggots to violently replace the certified 2020 elector count with made-up numbers and fake electors is some of the funniest deflection I've heard since my 16-year-old teen-splained anything to me. And another thing, while it pisses me off to defend a man who, while governor of Indiana, had a policy of removing health care policies which led to an HIV crisis in 2015, signed a bill encouraging discrimination of the LGBTQ plus community, and worked hard to replace public schools with faith-based private schools, and many, many more horrible things. <sighs> it has to be done. For those of you who skipped civics class, the vice president's role in the Congress certification of electors during a presidential election year is ceremonial at best. The Veep is tasked with sitting in the House of Representatives at the big boy chair with a gavel, calling out each state by name and in alphabetical order, and passes the votes to four designated vote tellers appointed by the Speaker of the House, whose job it is to tell everyone else what each state's vote count is. Nowhere in that role is there an opportunity to send back votes to the states because the Veep isn't in charge of the voter count. 
nor the electors for said count, because it is the responsibility of each state to certify their own election and electoral vote. But those poorly educated maggots who erected a gallows on the Capitol at January 6th clearly learned everything they need to know about a vice president's role in elections from an asshole on 4chan who's named after an asshole character in the Star Trek Next Generation series, which is also where I've got a dead raccoon on my head. Don got his Google certificate in American elections. And that also explains a lot, like why Tangerine Palpatine is suddenly calling for a regime change in America. What the fuck, you might ask? And rightfully so. Sounds like we're going to get a sequel to January 6th if Scooby-Coo has his way. So let me set the mood. Fox's resident expert on January 6th revisionist history, Pucker Lyerson, decided that he was going to send some questions to Republicans hoping to steal the 2024 presidential election as a conversation starter, and the rest is another terrifying moment in fascist history. Last week, we sent a questionnaire to every Republican presidential candidate announced and potential asking about Ukraine. Is opposing Russia in Ukraine a vital strategic interest for America? So former President Donald Trump, who as of tonight is the front runner for the Republican nomination, sent a long and really interesting response. Russia would never have attacked Ukraine if I were president, he writes, not even a small chance. Trump says he opposes regime change in Russia. Quote, we should support regime change in the United States. That's far more important. The Biden administration are the ones who got us into this mess. Excuse me, a what? I guess there's no mincing words when King Baby Coward gets his Sharpie out. And you can forget about clutching your pearls at the thought of the self-proclaimed stolen election expert saying what he said, because if you recall back in 2018, then Cheeto in Chief said this about Chinese President Xi Jinping promotion to president for life. Forget China's great, and she is a great gentleman. He's now president for life. President for life. No, he's great. He's great. Hey, look, he was able to do that. I think it's great. Maybe we'll have to give that a shot someday. Are you surprised? I'm not surprised. At this point, how could anyone be surprised at the marginally sentient spray tan who said five years ago that he wants to be president for life, then sending an army of his fascist fighters to steal the 2020 election from Joe Biden is now casually suggesting that America needs a regime change. And while we're on the subject of regime changes, there was an inappropriate exchange over the Black Sea between a $32 million U.S. drone and two Russian fighter jets. According to footage released by the Pentagon, which I can't show you because this is an audio-only podcast, two Su-27 Russian jets were flying aggressively behind the insanely expensive U.S. drone, who was in international airspace, and just minding its own business when suddenly... Now to some important breaking news, brand new information just into CNN about that American drone forced out of the sky by a Russian fighter jet over the Black Sea. And when they would pass right directly overhead of the drone, they would dump fuel on it. And then one of the jets was making another pass, and and this time he cut it too close and clipped the uh, propeller of the drone, sending it crashing down into the Black Sea. 
Now, I will be the first to admit I don't know how accidents go down in Russia because my only exposure is watching car crash videos on YouTube, but I can't imagine it's customary to pee on a drone before you send it hurtling into a watery grave. <laughs> Why would a Russian fighter jet release fuel onto a drone in the first place? Is that some sort of marking your territory kind of thing, like how dogs pee on trees and bushes and any pile of clothes you've left on the floor for more than a couple of hours? <laughs> Unfortunately, I think we might never know what sort of disturbing Russian cultural greeting that was because the official story from the Iron Curtain is that two fighter jets were just having some fun Top Gun style when all of a sudden a U.S. drone took a sharp right and then crashed directly into the Black Sea. Because when you're five foot three and already invading a sovereign nation, why not bully and pee on a U.S. drone in international water space. <laughs> and meanwhile, Georgia's favorite alleged January 6th pipe bomber and the biggest mistake God ever made. Marjorie, I can't believe how hard it is to read a map green, joined in on the Republican-sponsored Fuck Ukraine parade, adding this amazingly uneducated reason for why Russia should be allowed to do what it wants with its former USSR territories turned sovereign nations. Roll tape. That's the whole point that we're over there in Ukraine is ridiculous. We're propping up their government, paying for Zelensky's salary, their, the people, people's retirement over there, and, and their entire government keeping the lights on. We're paying for a war, a proxy war with Russia, when I've never seen Putin actually show in any detail his plans to invade Europe. No one has shown me that, so I don't believe the lies that I'm being told about this. Ooh, are you going to tell her? I want, I want to do it. I want to tell her. <laughs> to the Ava Braun cosplaying asshole from Georgia, I know that your district is turning out impressively uneducated adults, but... Do you happen to have access to Google? Because not only is Ukraine a sovereign country located in Eastern Europe, as any map will show you. And yes, I said Ukraine is a European nation. But the evidence Putin has plans to invade European countries is the fact that he is currently invading Ukraine, which is a totally separate from Russia country located in the eastern part of Europe. I think one of her staffers should just update that 96 Nokia brick that she calls a phone to anything Android from 2013 to present and make sure that Google Maps comes preloaded to avoid this embarrassment of showing her stupid every time she opens her mouth. And another thing, before this maggot style of destroying U.S. foreign diplomatic relations became the norm of the Republican Party, America was the democratic city on a hill other nations look up to. We spoke out against efforts to suppress citizens of other countries who wanted to govern in a more democratic fashion, and we got involved in the literal defense of our way of life when any other country tried to stop it from happening. Which brings me to the 60-40 chance of being president in 2024, Florida man himself, Ron the Meatball DeSantis, who decided that talk is cheap. So he put his fuck Ukraine ideology into writing for Pucker Adelson to read on Russia's favorite primetime show.
Take a listen. The census has well-known views on many topics, of course, but until tonight, no one could really say with precision where he stood on the war in Ukraine. And now we know. DeSantis is not a neocon. Who knew? Quote, while the U.S. has many vital national interests, becoming further entangled in a territorial dispute between Ukraine and Russia is not one of them. The U.S. should not provide assistance that could require the deployment of American troops or enable Ukraine to engage in offensive operations beyond its borders. F-16s and long-range missiles should therefore be off the table. These moves would risk explicitly drawing the United States into the conflict and drawing us closer to a hot war between the world's two largest nuclear powers. That risk is unacceptable. And just so that we're clear, this is the same guy who is upset about what children in Florida are being taught in history class when it is clear he hasn't checked on history since 1990. Because, spoiler alert, Ukraine became a sovereign nation in 1991, which means Russia has no territorial dispute because Ukraine has not been a part of the USSR territory for 32 fucking years and to the Fox host, with Putin's hand shoved squarely up his ass, you said no one knew that the Floridian Fuhrer's stance on Ukraine happened to be what it is until you sent him a bunch of questions. But <laughs> I've got one for you. Does anyone who works for you know how to use a search engine of any kind? Because if they did... They might have saved you the embarrassment you're about to experience when I play a clip from 2015, a radio interview with conservative Bill Bennett on a Fox now retired host Lou Dobbs show featuring the guy who is supposed to be not a neocon, but wow, he just sounds like one. Well, we in the Congress have been urging the president I've been to to provide uh, arms to Ukraine. Right. Uh, they they want to fight their good fight. They're not asking us to fight it for them. Um, and the president has steadfastly refused. And um, I think that that's a mistake. I think that when someone like Putin sees uh, Obama being decisive, I think that whets his appetite to create more trouble in the area. And I think if we were to arm the Ukrainians, I think that would send a strong signal to him that he shouldn't be going any further. But um, I'm not optimistic that the administration will listen to us. And I think if we had a, a policy which was firm, which armed Ukraine with defensive and offensive weapons so that they could defend themselves, I think Putin would make different calculations. And so I think Obama's policy of weakness is actually making a larger conflict more likely. And I think if you had a Reagan-esque policy of, of strength, um, I think you'd see people like Putin not want to mess with us. Ain't it telling that when a black man is president and he was congressman, DeRacist was supportive of Ukraine and arming Ukraine against Russia just because Obama wasn't interested in getting involved. And now, when it's very clear after the 2020 presidential election, Republicans can't win without Putin's help, I think De Flip Flop knows whose ring he's going to have to kiss if he has a hurricane's chance of becoming the oversized coat in chief. Ironically, <laughs> while the 2024 Republican hopefuls fall all over themselves to defend Putin's territorial dispute with Ukraine, the International Criminal Court at The Hague sees what Russia is doing in Eastern Europe as a war crime. And we all know what The Hague does with criminals. The ICC, the International Criminal Court, has issued an arrest warrant 
against Vladimir Putin and a, another Russian official. Both are at the center of alleged, an alleged scheme to forcibly deport thousands of Ukrainian children to Russia. They've also issued an arrest warrant for a, a second Russian official. Her name is Maria Vova Bilova, and she is the uh, Commissioner for Children's Rights uh, in the office of the President of the Russian Federation. In this statement, the ICC is basically accusing the two of them of being complicit in the abduction, the alleged abduction of Ukrainian children from a territory in Ukraine occupied by the Russian military and taking them to Russian territory. Uh, the list of Putin crimes is endless, but this time they had confession on television. It was a conversation between Putin and so-called Ombudsman for Children uh, uh, Rights in Russia. And uh, she proudly said she had adopted one of the forcefully deported kids. Well, well, well. <laughs> it wouldn't be the first time Republicans stand over a dude who trafficked children. The last time they riled behind the six head from Florida, Matthew, I allegedly paid to have sex with children, Gates. And you may ask yourself, what does this arrest warrant mean? Are they going to bust into Russia? And are they going to have Vladimir Putin do a five foot three dictator perp walk? No, unfortunately, that's not going to happen. First off, there is no SWAT team from The Hague who is going to rappel down the Kremlin and crash every window in order to get to the Slavic Napoleon and cuff him on camera. Sadly, all this really means is that for right now, Putin is confined to the borders of Russia. And if he sets foot across that border, he risks becoming the most famous criminal to be captured by Interpol and hopefully on camera. And since I basically already answered your question, let's move right along to something new. How about some homegrown stupidity happening right at our southern border? Recently, the members of the Worst Kevin's Homeland Security Committee took a field trip to the line between the United States and Mexico to discuss whatever conspiracy theory is trending right now on 4chan. During the meeting, clan mom Karen from Georgia used her five minutes of stupidity to scream classified information into a microphone while being recorded because Trader Marge thought this would make her look more prehistorically aggressive. Roll tape. Chief Ortiz, are you aware that there was an explosive device found by Border Patrol agents on January 17th in an area called No Man's Land and there's surveillance of who put it there? And guess what? It wasn't Americans. It was cartels. Are you aware of that? I will tell you that uh, some of this information that uh, I receive, I receive in a confidential uh, skiff. So I'm going to be a little hesitant of briefing what I know and what I don't know with respect to some of those, an event like that. I understand, Chief Ortiz, but I'm not going to be confidential because I think people deserve to know. Ladies and gentlemen, you just heard Jurassic Barbie yelling like she doesn't know how a microphone works, and perhaps she doesn't. But it's clear that she does not know how classified information works or why it's disseminated behind closed doors in rooms called a SCIF, which is an acronym for Sensitive Compartmented Information Facility. So how do you know what you're about to read or be briefed on isn't for the general public, no matter how cool you think you would sound 
revealing the information during a recorded meeting? That is simple to answer. It's because it's in the name of the compartmented facility, the room that you are actually taken to to access that sensitive information, otherwise known as a skiff. But, you know, there's always more to the story when Monster Truck Garage is involved because there is one little but absolutely extremely very important detail of the grim fairy tale that this god level mistake from Georgia conveniently decided to leave out because it throws everything she had to say completely out the window. From her throne of lies, when Mad Marge loudly proclaimed that border agents were threatened with a bomb, which was the classified information that's not classified anymore. We have determined, folks, that that was a lie. Bill Malugan from Fox in L.A. took to Twitter to address the alleged bomb and found, quote, CBP sources tell me that this was a fake and was actually filled with dirt, end quote. Not only that, but it was found in Rio Grande City and the Rio Grande Valley, far from where Boxcolor Barbie claimed it had been discovered. So to recap... Georgia's 4chan pick for Congress should have had her security clearance revoked already. And while they're at it, have her tested for reading comprehension because I'm pretty sure if a Fox reporter can figure out that a bomb is fake, it can't be that hard to understand if you're already reading the classified documents yourself. But then again, maybe we inadvertently figured out that Dog the Bounty Hunter is actually illiterate and if that's the case Georgia you really gotta raise your standards and speaking of standards recently the Catholic Church finally got some when it comes to the priests and celibacy Pope Francis says the Catholic Church's thousand-year-old practice of celibacy for priests could be changed he tells an Argentine publication the ban on priests having sex was only temporary and that there is no contradiction for a priest to marry. Here's the quote from the Holy Father. There is no contradiction for a priest to marry. Celibacy in the Western Church is a temporary prescription. It is not eternal like priestly ordination, which is forever, whether you like it or not. On the other hand, celibacy is a discipline. Oh, who knew the 11th century tradition of forcing priests to acknowledge their illegitimate children by paying the church for their care wasn't supposed to last 1,100 years? <laughs> Just think, if someone in Vatican City had said something to anyone earlier, they might not have had to move so many priests around the world for sexually abusing children for over a thousand years. Instead, they could have been taking their religious frustrations out on their wives like any good Catholic man has been known to do, historically speaking, of course. <laughs> but hey, better late than never, right? Unless you're trying to exchange pedos for misogynists, which it sounds like the Catholic Church is. So I guess that means the sexually assaulting priest protection program will live on. <laughs> And that's all I have to say about that, folks. New episodes of This Week Again air every Sunday. Follow the show on social media to keep up with our latest posts. 
This week, again, can be found on Audible, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Amazon Music, basically anywhere you listen to podcasts. And thank you so much for listening to this one. Tadur for now.